those were our kids, right, that went up all the, yeah, I thought so, because they're like the best-looking kids, you know. Had to be from Brookside. How's everybody? Pretty good? Boy, I tell you what, I think it was like two minutes to nine. And I thought, ah, I think I'm going to be the only one here today with maybe six other people. It's amazing what happens. Um, we call it the, uh, you know, the five-minute mystery or miracle or whatever. Uh, great to have all of you here with us today, especially those of you who are, who are guests with us. Well, I'm a, I, I spent an, uh, two hours in a plane this week, and that was enough to, I think, get me a cold which I came down full force with last night. So uh, bear with me this morning as I, as I share from God's word. Let me just start out by saying that what I'm going to talk about this morning, I did. Um, and uh, you could ask Becky and she, she would say I, I did it big time. And uh, for the sake of time today, I'm not gonna, I was going to give you a brief story of what I did, but I'm just going to leave you wondering what it was. But I'll tell you how it affected us is uh, we were in Wisconsin for our first church for five years, and then I decided that I knew better than God, and without really seeking God in it at all, really spending serious time praying and asking God if it was what God wanted me to do, I decided that as much as God had a plan for my life, a plan where God wanted to fill my life with joy and fulfillment, and God had a plan for me to serve him in a certain way and serve other people a certain way, and that is as a pastor, I made the decision, and, uh, and that was to step out of the ministry and move to Texas to set up a Christian counseling center with who had, uh, a gentleman who had been our family doctor our five years in Wisconsin and uh, who moved to Texas and came back to our house. Uh, he and his wife, when they came back to see their family, the summer after they moved, he and I, uh, very quickly in that evening, thought we came up with a great idea. And so it took a move for me to Texas to understand again, that God's plan was the right plan. I thought I, I had a better plan for God to bless me and a better plan for me to be a blessing to others. I don't know, anybody else ever do anything like this where you thought you had a better plan than, than God? I don't, I don't, raise your hand, you know. Just curious. You don't, don't feel pressure. You know, but... You know, I think one of two things can happen. It's possible that we'd want to do what God wants us to do, but we think we've got a better way to do it. Or it's possible that we think we've got an entirely better plan than what God has. And uh, even though God had been directing us a certain way, we, we didn't want to go that way, and, and we had our own plan for getting the direction we wanted to go which is exactly what happened to the four people involved in today's story in the passage that we're going to look at in, in the book of Genesis. They messed up with God's plan, and as a result, they messed with their lives. 
So just in case you weren't gone last Sunday, just very quickly, a little bit of review, a little bit of history. Last Sunday we saw how God gave Abraham a promise, an incredible promise. God promised to give him a land of his own. God promised to make him into a great nation, and God promised to give him a great name. In all of it, God promised to bless Abraham and, and through him to bless the world. That was a, it was a, a huge gift that God gave to Abraham, a huge privilege that God gave him. And it's one that God intended for Abraham to pass down to his son who would then pass it down to his son. Now, if you remember last Sunday, uh, Abraham and his wife Sarah are no longer living. Their son Isaac and his wife Rebecca have two sons, Esau and Jacob. And these two sons are as different from each other as any two people can be. Now, if you remember, but Isaac went for Esau and Jacob was Rebecca's favorite. And the thing about this is that this was more than simply a matter of each parent preferring one child over another. This, this was a pretty serious deal. And here, here's, how, here's how Scripture describes this. In Genesis chapter, uh, uh, chapter 25, we read this. It's a strong statement. It says, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. That's a strong word, love. I mean, let me, do you think that, that Esau and Jacob were not aware of how their parents felt toward them? You better believe they were aware of it. And so there were some powerful dynamics going on in this family, and it definitely created its, its own set of problems, as we're going to see in, in the passage we look at today in today's story. And what made it worse was the issue of birthright and God's blessing, the blessing that had been given to Abraham, passed down to Isaac, and now Isaac is passing it down again. The expectation back then was that this always went to the oldest son. That's the way it was done. But it wasn't God's plan for Isaac and Rebekah's two sons. And Isaac and Rebekah both knew this because they, they knew it because God had revealed this to them before either son was born. Remember last Sunday in chapter 25, Rebecca had a very tumultuous pregnancy, an incredible struggle going on inside of her womb. And, and, and when she asked God what it was that was happening, God answered with a prophecy. And God made this statement. He said, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, what that's saying is since Esau was born first, and they were twins, but Esau showed up first, then Jacob right behind it meant that typically, because culturally, Esau would have the birthright, but God said that's not the way it was going to be. Jacob would have it. What God told Rebecca shapes everything that follows in the book of Genesis. And how, how it was handled by Rebecca and Isaac had a huge impact on their lives and the lives of their sons. And that's what we're going to look at today. Rebecca and Isaac, together with their two sons, messing with God's plan. 
And each one of them had their own part. They, they were all equally responsible for the mess that they created, each one doing it in their own way with their own spiritual issue. We could say that each one is a case study on what not to do when it comes to living out God's plan in our lives. So we'll begin with Isaac. And as I go through each one of these four, we're, as, as we bring it up on PowerPoint, we're going to see what it was that their mistake was or their failure. Isaac was losing sight of what it means to be holy. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to chapter 27 in, in Genesis. And we'll begin with verse 1 and the opening statement. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak, that he could not see. We learned two things here. First of all, that Isaac's now an old man, and second, that he's blind. And we get a, an idea of how old he is from the two verses at the end of chapter 26, the verses just before what I just read, where we read this. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Berai, the Hittite, and also Basemith, daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. In chapter 25, we're told that Isaac was 60 years old when Esau and Jacob were born. Here we're told that Esau was 40 years old when he married these two women, and what this tells us is that Isaac was now at least 100 years old old. So you'd think, wouldn't you, that he, he was old enough to know better, that he was old enough to have the wisdom to do what was right, to be obedient to God? But evidently not. And here's how I know. We're not only told how old Esau was when he got married, we're told who he married. And we're not talking about their names. We're, we're talking about the gods that they worshipped. The, the, both of these women were Hittites, and Hittites did the, the same thing that every other person did living in Canaan. They worshipped the idols of false gods. In fact, if you do a study of these Canaanite gods, you'll find out that everything connected with them was extremely worshipped. There were, there were gods like Molech where, where people would offer their children as sacrifices to them and, and, and there was prostitution in the, in the temples that was connected with their worship. This is what Esau married into. Last Sunday we saw how he despised his birthright, selling it for a bowl of stew, something so serious that He's, he's described as godless in, in, in the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Now here again, in these last two verses of Genesis 26, we see that Esau hasn't changed. He continued to live his life with, a, with total disregard for God. God didn't matter to him when he sold his birthright, and now God didn't matter to him when he chose his wives. See, I'm convinced we can safely assume that throughout his life, up to this point, God never mattered to Esau. Yet what did Isaac do? Okay, verse 1, chapter 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, 
my son. Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Can you believe this? Esau's already already proven that he despised his birthright. He he married women who worshipped false gods, who carried with us a godless lifestyle. We're even told that, that these women were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. And yet, what does Isaac do? He decides to give Esau his blessing, which is really the blessing God gave him. I think it's obvious that he's been planning to do this for years. You see, Isaac wasn't just physically blind. He was spiritually blind. He was blind to God's holiness. He he knew God's will for his sons before they were born. He knew the godless life that Esau chose to live. And yet, because he loved Esau, he turned a blind eye to his wickedness and a blind eye to God's holiness. He wanted what he wanted for Esau, and he was determined to make it happen. He messed big time with God's plan, and he set things up for a huge mess in the life of his family. So hear me out, fathers. Tim talked this morning a few minutes ago about us as parents being the primary disciples of our children. Fathers, we are called to be the primary spiritual leaders of our families. Before anyone else, we're responsible for the spiritual growth of our children. And so if we're blind to God's holiness in our own lives, we're then setting our wives and our children up for a spiritual mess. I believe the thing you and I need to really believe and keep on remembering, men, is that for us to know and live out God's holiness begins with knowing this book very well. And so if you and I are really serious about being the spiritual leader of our family, it has got to be a priority for us to discipline ourselves in our daily study of God's word. This not only gives us the wisdom to know God's will, it gives us the strength to live in loving obedience to God's will. And so uh, uh, something to help you with this. Uh, I don't know if you've been able, if you've ever read a book on how to study the Bible to do it as effectively as possible. And here's just a book I would suggest to you that's fairly Recently written, very good. It's a book called The Divine Mentor by a pastor by the name of Wayne Cordero. And guys, you know, if, 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 you, if you need to equip yourself on how to study the Bible, this would be a great book for you to get to help you in that, in that part of your life. And then there's Rebecca. And what we discover about Rebecca is that she had more faith in herself than she did in God. And because of this, she trusted herself instead of trusting God, and she did her own fine job of making a mess. Look look at this, verse 5. 
Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. And then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. Boy, he must have been hairy, you know. And he said, but, and, and I'm a man of smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I, I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. And then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob, and she also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. I mean, I'd love to have seen that guy. Then she, handed to her, then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. Rebecca discovers what Isaac's about to do. And she says to herself, no way is this going to happen. And as quickly as Esau leaves to go hunting, she sets her plan in motion. Never mind that it's the death nail for her marriage. Never mind that she cares nothing for Esau's welfare. Never mind that she's willing to guide her son Jacob into deception. She lost her grip on respect and love and honesty. She gives up the things God values in a person to get God's blessing for the son she loves, all because she chose to trust herself instead of trusting God. The point where she's willing to bear the brunt of Isaac's anger when, when Jacob expressed his concern that he'd end up getting his father's curse instead of his blessing. She, her response was to say, well, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. She's saying, if it happens, it happens. If that's what it takes, I don't care. This is one desperate lady. She's willing to pay any price doing, doing this even though, even though God had told her before her sons were born that the older would serve the younger. See, she's doubting the certainty of God's word. She's thinking that Isaac's going to ruin it all. But let me ask you, how is this possible? How can someone ruin what God promised? Does she actually think that, that Isaac is going to outwit God? Well, I guess she does. You see, Rebecca had one thing right. Something had to be done to stop Isaac. What Isaac was doing was wrong. It went against God's will for both Esau and Jacob. See, it, it isn't wrong to take action when good things are threatened. 
It's the kind of action that Rebecca took that was wrong. Everything she did was toxic with, with deceit and manipulation and disrespect. She, she had her plan, and she was going to make her plan work. She, she was fighting for God's blessing while caring nothing for God's honor. Well, if you know the story and result of this, she got Isaac's blessing for Jacob. But she lost her two sons, and she broke their relationship for many years to come. Look at this, verse 41. Esau held a, when it was all done, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my brother are near. Then I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. You know how long a while was? More than 14 years. And then we read this in verse 45. She said, When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. And then she said, Why should I lose both of you in one day? You see, Rachel never did send word because she died. And what she tried to prevent happened. She lost both of her sons. She, she lost Esau because of what she did to him. She lost Jacob because she died before he ever returned. So what should Rebecca have done? What Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 tells us to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. See, we'll never know how God would have solved this problem. But we can be sure of this, God would have done it in a way that would have been best for everybody involved. The lesson for us in, in this is this. When we find ourselves in a difficult situation, the wise thing to do, the right thing to do, is to trust God and not our own intuition. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is always the right way to go. Now for Jacob. Here's what he did that messed with God's plan. He sacrificed his integrity. Look at this, verse 18, chapter 27. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I, I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing." And Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Oh, the Lord, your God gave me success, he replied. 
Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near to me so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. And Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and, and said, the, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. And so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. Oh, I am, he replied. And then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. And so he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's riches an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Six times in these verses, Isaac expresses suspicion. And each time Jacob responds with a lie. It was true that Esau despised his birthright, but here we see that Jacob despising his integrity. He got what he wanted. He got his father's blessing and with it his birthright, but it came at the expense of his own integrity. And you know what? That's a huge loss for any person. And he did it by lying to his own father. And with it he earned the murderous hatred of his brother and the loss of years with both Isaac and Rebekah. He had to flee for his life. He never saw his mother again. And the next time he saw his father would be more than 14 years later. None of this had to happen. Jacob sacrificing his integrity came at a tragic loss for everybody. It always does. It's never worth it, worth the cost to get what you want. I think perhaps the saddest and most recent example of this is Bernie Madoff. His Ponzi scheme lost nearly $65 billion. He betrayed thousands of investors, bankrupted charities and hedge funds, and the most intimate kind of betrayal, he brought down his own family with him, resulting in the suicide of his oldest son, Mark, the loss of his relationship with his wife and any relationship with his younger son, Andrew, both of them not only estranged from Madoff, but also from each other. His son, Andrew, recently said that his rage against his father, far from dissipating, has metastasized. Total destruction of his family with all the damage that he did to so many people, all because he sacrificed his integrity to get what he wanted. That's what Jacob did. And then there's Esau. 
What did he do to mess with God's plan? God's plan for his own life. You see, everybody, while it's true that God's plan was for Jacob to receive the birthright, this doesn't mean that God didn't have a plan for Esau. I'm convinced that God had a great plan. Esau just wasn't interested. He wasn't interested in God's plan because he wasn't interested in God. He rejected God as God of his life. And that's what we talked about last Sunday. A description of his life given to us by God himself in in the New Testament book of Hebrews where, where God said this about Esau. He said, see that no one is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Esau's failure, and I said it last week, is that he was godless. And this doesn't mean that he didn't believe in God, but that God didn't matter to him. And here's what hit me this week. When Esau was faced with the result of what he did, and you could just read the rest of chapter 27 and you'll see this. You'll see that he played the blame card instead of taking ownership for the choice he made. And here's what just struck me about this. You know, it's possible that we can mess up with God's plan in our lives. And and when we're given the opportunity to, to admit what we did and recognize it and confess it as the wrong that it really was, what we could do instead is blame other people and not accept the responsibility for our own actions. And that's another way to just keep on messing with God's plan. No doubt about it. We've got some, I think, major messing with God in this chapter. Quite a lot to learn from. Here's what to do with this. Check yourself for signs that you're messing with God's plan in your own life. Are you losing sight of what it means to be holy? Are are, are you trusting yourself instead of trusting God? Are you in any way sacrificing your integrity to get what you want? And at its worst, are you rejecting God as God of your life? And then when you're given the opportunity to Recognize the wrong that you've done. You're putting the blame on others rather than owning your responsibility. You know, each time we share together in the Lord's Supper, the Word of God teaches us that it's, it's that time where we can do a check in our lives. And that's what I'd like us to do this morning is as our hosts come, and I'm going to ask them to begin uh, distributing the bread and the cup, let's just use this as a time of personal looking, looking in. Check ourselves on any one of these, all right? And um, our communion is open, open for anybody who's a believer in Jesus Christ. And so I'll let our hosts distribute the bread and the cup, and then I'll come up and, and lead us.